KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Pat Lowe. As the City Hall Bureau Chief, it's part of my job to hold the mayor's feet to the fire. But this year, I figured 2020 itself was tough enough on him. When we met over Zoom for our year-end interview, I started out just letting him talk. Well, it was obviously an unprecedented year. Um, never in the history of, well, modern history has there been this kind of year, both um, from a um, pandemic point of view, um, financial, political, um, civil. Um, it's every possible thing that could have gone haywire went haywire at the same time. Um, so, I mean, considering where we were in, excuse me, January of 2020, uh, financially big ideas still moving forward. Um, you know, everything wound up going kaput when we found ourselves $750 million in a hole. Um, we had the highest fund balance, I think in the city's history, we had money set aside for a rainy day and certainly did rain, but we didn't have enough money set aside for this rain. Um, we had money set aside for our employees' contracts. Uh, we had grants like the Cato Scholarship, you know, continue to expand our pre-K, moving forward with our, uh, after two years of delay, moving forward with our rebuild, uh, which we're still trying to do, um, and then dealing with all of the issues surrounding um, the medical issues, the scientific issues, and then the civil unrest, um, you know, and some of the missteps we, we made in that. Uh, however, you know, I talked to other mayors in other cities, and it's, it was virtually impossible to cover everything that had to be covered in those three, four days, five days, uh, without you know moving people from one area to another and then causing the issues in the areas you move the police from. Uh, we had a robust um, uh, effort to interact with people, engage people, young men um, who were shooting each other. Uh, a lot of the people that we used or were using to engage those folks got sick themselves and could not interact with people. Um, so the personal interactions on our efforts to reduce group violence and, uh, and street violence um, was slowed uh, because of our inability to put people on the street because they were sick uh, or our inability to interact with them directly because we don't want to you know, make the pandemic worse. Uh, so we saw the spike in shootings and homicides that frankly had a conversation online yesterday with, about 25 other mayors um, and every city, every major city in the country is dealing with this issue and trying to figure out the best way to, the best way to deal with it. You know, and in the midst, in in the midst of everything, you had this election, which was one of the craziest elections probably in the history of the country, um, you know, with Trump denying, denying the lost. And and we, you know, we were concerned that we had to be organized to run an election that was again, unprecedented, large mail-in votes, people waiting, you know, waiting in lines for hours. Uh, and dealing with three independently elected officials and trying to make sure we coordinated our resources because they certainly didn't have enough resources to conduct that election. But, you know, trying to juggle, you know, other elected officials, you know, issues or, you know, points of view and still getting it done, which I think we did amazingly well uh, in that election and probably were the city or state to put Biden over the top. And thankfully that happened that way because I didn't know what was going to happen if Trump had won. Uh, what we were going to be facing in the way of civil unrest and protest. Um, so it turned out to be a, a block party instead of a riot. In your conversation yesterday, did anybody have any suggestions that 
you thought would be helpful for Philadelphia? Basically, we're all kind of doing the same thing, continuing to put try to put people in play uh, that have credibility on the street and that have lived experiences that communicate with both the young men who are involved in this and their families. Uh, however, some one of the things that keep coming back to us is that this particular, I guess, crop of ge- this generation uh, is even is, is surprising, even surprising to those with lived experiences and time, you know, in, in incarceration uh, are just amazed at the callousness of some of these young people. Um, and I think that I think certainly COVID has made that worse. Um, and I also believe that during the period of time, as I said, that we were trying to deal with civil unrest. Uh, we were moving officers from neighborhoods uh, to the places where the protests were uh, and then leaving those areas short, shorter than we would have liked, uh, which cr- creates opportunity for people. You know, a lot of times the, the, the problem with, with the gun violence issue is, is there's a couple different levels of it. Number one, anybody that shoots or kills somebody inside a house is almost virtually impossible to police. I mean, the only way you really police that is by making sure they don't get the gun in the first place. Or they, if you have somebody in the house that's not um, re- responsible with their with their with their um, with their gun uh, and lets it in, in, into the access of a little kid, you know, who shoots his brother or sister. I mean, those, those are. Th- I don't know how we really can police that. I mean, uh, we can try certainly, um, but um, it, what, what you have basically are young men who are intent on shooting one each other because of some slight that they've read on you know, on, on social media or some rap song that was, you know, dis- disparaged the person. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to get you. Uh, when I was, you know, I'm 62. When I was 18, 19, you went looking for the guy and you fought him and it was over. And, and you, know, we, you, you know, you may have gotten hurt, but you certainly didn't get killed. But it's hard to put a police officer between a person and another person who someone's intent on shooting and will wait them out. I mean, and that's, Part of the, the, the strategic problem with placement of officers is we're trying to use intelligence down at the DIVIC. We're trying to monitor all these social media uh, threads uh, and try to you know, communicate, figure out how we get ahead of them uh, by trying to judge where they're going to be at any given time. I mean, it's, it's really a hard algorithm to figure out like how you, how you, how you supply officers at strategic locations to make sure that the one person is intent on shooting another person, we get between them. I mean, that's a hard thing. And then you have, then you have, frankly, people who are willing to shoot in the crowds. I mean, that, you know, even the mob in its heyday would wait if they wanted to, if they wanted to, you know, whack somebody, you know, they waited for the person to be away from their family and in a secluded place. I mean, these people walk up to a block party and open fire. I mean, I've never seen or experienced anything like that. And I do think that going forward, we're going to have to try to invest with, if we get, if we get money, you know, from the feds, if, if, you know, we win the, if we win the two seats in Georgia um, and we get some relief for lost revenue for states and cities, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to really have to bulk up our, our mental health issues. Cause I mean, this, the, the mental health fallout from COVID is still not known yet. And there's a lot of crazy people out there and, and it's, it's, you can see it, you can see it on social media. You can see it in a, in a target, you can see it in a supermarket. Um, there's a lot of, you know, deep-seated emotional problems going on out there when mask wearing and, and defying and defying authority and, and, you know, thumbing your nose at, at public health officials. I mean, all that stuff is just, I don't know. I don't have an answer for all that. We're just going to have to play it as we go. We must be taking a toll on you too, though. How do you cope? Well, 
everybody says I'm grumpy anyway, which I don't think I am, but I think I get a pretty good sense of humor. I don't know where I've gotten this. I guess I'm always walking around smiling all the time, which is, would make me crazy at that point. I mean, you should really work. When I start walking around smiling all the time, we're worry about my mental health then. Cause then I've lost it. <clears throat> I mean, I just, um, I, I've always wore my heart on my sleeve and I, you can always tell what I'm thinking. And I'm a bad poker player. Uh, and, um, I try not to be a phony about it. When I'm upset, I'm upset. When I'm sad, I'm sad. When I'm happy and I'm happy. But, you know, it's, I don't know the expectation of some people and not you yourself, but some people in the media that somehow I'm, I'm, I have should have a different face or something. I mean, I am my, I have what my parents gave me and I can't do much else with it. But you just read off a list of challenges that would really defeat a lot of people. And, you know, you talked about like the plans that you had in January going kaput and and then you moved on to what the next, but, but that's like emotionally wrenching, I would think. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could tell you that there was some emotional wrenching time sitting in the, in the, uh, you know, the emergency operations center, uh, May 31st, June 1st, June 2nd, <clears throat> watching, you know, screens of televisions with, 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 you know, civil unrest going on in almost every one of them. I mean, it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who, I didn't even know who to call like for advice. Like you, you know, you figure out you call Rendell or something. He never went through this or you call, who do you call? I mean, and it's, you just try to play it out and hopefully people don't get killed or don't get hurt. I mean, it was horrible watching, you know, those businesses of West Philly burn. I mean, you know, those folks that were, you know, had very little, but their business and worse were lifelines to the community. Um, you know, the set of, the set of drugstore on fire when it's your only drugstore. I mean, I couldn't not, I couldn't figure out the, the whole mentality of it, the whole thing. I mean, uh, to, you know, to have a, you know, a shop right or a Lowe's in your neighborhood and be so proud of it. And then, and then just obliterate it in the course of, you know, 24, 48 hours. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't understand the, the, you know, the mental, I don't understand the whole thought process of that, but that's, not for me to figure out. We just had to rebuild it. One of the, some of the good things that I really saw was the day or so after everything fell apart, um, you know, went to West Philly, uh, saw people cleaning up and, and, you know, not yelling. I, I expected to get yelled and booed and screamed at, but it wasn't at all. Went to Broad and Erie and got hugs, um, you know, and looking at the devastation that was there, you know, I expected, to, you know, to get a lot, lot less reception, a good reception. And they were very, they were very helpful and very encouraging. Same thing in Center City, and people were just out that next day cleaning up the glass, cleaning up everything. I mean, it was it was it was not it was horrible to see, but it was nice to know that people hadn't given up. And so that's what you do—just keep going. <laughs> no, well, now what I'd actually do is I try to find a, a project a week or so, or a couple. You know, people that I've, I've done this since I was a council member. If I walk into City Hall and I see somebody on the sidewalk looking bewildered or lost or whatever, I try to engage them and say, well, you know, what's going on? What's your, what's, you know, what's the matter? You look like you're stressed and then try to get into a one person's life and well, the problems and try to fix it and try to, you know, send them away happier than they showed up at city hall or run into a person, you know, a young, you know, African-American guy in a neighborhood that, you know, I engage with and then continue to have a relationship with going forward. And, and I think sometimes all people want uh, or need is a, is a phone call or a text says, how you doing? What's going on? How's your mom? You know, you need anything? Uh, how's your work? How's your work search going? How's your case? How's your criminal justice case going? What's going on? Can I help in any way? It's that kind of stuff that saves me mentally, because at least I know that after that one day or that one week, 
I've had a ability to help somebody in a positive way, as opposed to listening to all the noise. And honestly, I thank God my staff has trained me now to not look at social media uh, hardly at all, and certainly never read the comments in the uh, Philly.com. Um, I don't understand. Honestly, I don't understand how they allow that to happen. That they that they do not police that or eliminate that whole that whole comment thing. It's it just. To think that people can say whatever they want to say anonymously uh, and, and really besmirch somebody's character and life, and life it's, it's bad. I mean, it's bad stuff. And it creates an environment of discordance and nastiness that we really don't need ever, ever but especially during these hard times. Um, so I wanted to go back to the early days of the pandemic and the decision to shut down the, the stay-at-home order. What kind of process went into that? Yeah, the one thing I'm really proud of in this whole thing is that we, unlike Florida, unlike Texas, unlike other places in the country, we absolutely listened to the medical and scientific advice. Dr. Farley basically was the go-to person that I went to and made those decisions. And they were not easy decisions to make. I mean, it's not easy decisions to stop indoor dining in restaurants. And I understand, I totally understand the the anger and, and, and frustration that those owners felt, uh, but but I couldn't bend to political will. I couldn't bend to being popular when more people were going to die. I mean, I, I remember around St. Patrick's Day parade, um, he had, you know, he, Doc was like, I'm adamant. We can't, we can't have, a, we're not having a parade. I mean, go back to the Liberty Bond Parade in 1918. We're going to do this now when we know what's going on. And I was like, you know, I'm Irish, you know, Irish American. And, you know, I'm like, oh God, we're going to cancel the St. Patrick's Day parade. And then uh, Mr. Bradley from the St. Patrick's Day Observance Committee called me and said, we're canceling. <laughs> we're not going out in this. And I was like, whew, thank you. So, you know, you, you, some people get it. Uh, some people never get it. There's a few restaurant guys that just don't get it. I mean, they, they, they don't care. They just wanted to be open, period. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard. Uh, so, I mean, we just listened to, to the medical advice and the scientific advice and uh, listened to Dr. Fauci and Dr. Farley and uh, – um, and we just followed their guidelines. Did you ever feel like you delegated too much because, yeah, you were following the advice of Dr. Farley or, you know, the people that you depended on. But like you said, like, you're the guy who they're talking about in the comment section, right? That doesn't bother me because um, I'm not a doctor and I'm not an epidemiologist. I have certain skill set, but, you know, science and medicine are not one or two of them. Um, so who else would I listen to? I mean, if if my fire commissioner says, you know, we, you know, we need to bring back a couple engine companies and ladder companies, I'm, I, I'm certainly, if I can afford, we can afford to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, if I, 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 that's why we hire people uh, with certain expertise to, to, um, I mean, if it, I think what happened across the country is, is that elected officials, governors, mostly governors, but I guess some mayors, you know, made those decisions based on being popular. I mean, look, I'm in, in my second term, can't run again. What am I saying? What I want to be popular for? I want to be I want to be safe and and, and correct as possible. Um, you're 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 never popular. I mean, I'm the least popular now in the neighborhood I grew up in, and I have had this conversation with other mayors across the co- you know a few mayors across the country, uh, including my friend Marty Walsh from Boston. He says I'm I'm the least welcomed in my own neighborhood. It's it, it's kind of you kind of understand it because people have a certain view of you. Uh, and they want you to be that way. And you can't be that way because you have to be mayor for everybody. So you have to make decisions and say things that 
maybe annoys them because, you know, they expected you to say something different, but you know, it's the same thing with this mummer spray thing. I mean, they didn't want to go either. I mean, the four groups, the, the three main groups understood the, the danger of going, uh, but, but you know, we'll see what happens. But I just hope if anybody goes out to protest that they wear a mask, that's all. And try to be safe. What do you predict for 2021? Well, I predict obviously a, a more decent and, and, uh, and, and uh, decent and caring president um, and vice president. I mean, I, it's, it's going to be a world of difference just on the style um, and, and compassion and, and empathy. Um, I hope we win Georgia. If we do that, I think that cities and states will see, you know, more assistance than we're seeing right now. <clears throat> I want to see our schools back open again. I mean, I think we should figure out a way to get teachers once the clearly frontline folks in the medical side are done with the vaccine. I think teachers should be right up there because uh, once they have a, a level of comfort that they're safe, uh, that they can get back to school and get back to normal. I think because I think one of the biggest things that have disrupted families and social life and mental health is kids being home from school. I mean, they're not getting what they need uh, educationally. They're not getting what they need emotionally. They're, their, their daily routine is totally thrown off. Parents have to stay home and work. Um, you know, parents who could work outside the home, you know, can't, don't, because they have to stay home with the kids. I mean, there's so much stuff that schools closing have done um, is that, so we need to get teachers vaccinated and back, back in, on the job so that things can get back to some normal rhythm. And what about the city's economy? Well, we're going to start. We're going to have to start. Re- I mean, as the as the vaccine gets more and more distributed, uh, and things begin to open up more, and we can hopefully get back to some semblance of nightlife and dining and 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 arts and you know and and that those kinds of things, sports, live sports. Um, you know, I think we'll slowly eat back to normal, and I think we'll start building the economy again. Um, I think things there certainly things have changed. I mean, look at the industries that have taken off. I mean, food delivery. Um, you know, uh, uh, logistics, you know, delivery of, of online shopping. Uh, I mean, uh, I worry, I worry about bricks and mortar businesses that have been affected by this and how they recover. I mean, I know people like to, I like to shop both online and in person because sometimes a lot of times I'll order stuff online and it doesn't fit. It's not the right size. And you got to through, got to do the labels and put it in a box and take it back. I mean, so, you know, to go to a store to try something on is I think, you know, a, clearly an older person's experience is somebody, I'm sure kids, you know, 15, 20, 25, they're not, they're, they're used to ordering everything online. Um, so I think trying to build that back, I think the, once we get the, get the restaurants and, and other things back up and get people back into center city, that's another question that's still up in the air. How many people are going to return to an office setting uh, as opposed to working from home? What an impact that's going to have on our revenues when it comes to things like wage tax and other things. Uh, or UNO, if certain segments of the buildings, the office buildings aren't being used. So there's a lot of unknowns at this point. Uh, I just think that the more we practice self-discipline with masking and distancing, and the more the, the vaccine gets circulated, I think the peop- things will start to get back to. I'm hoping by mid-July, you know, 4th of July, that, you know, things are kind of on a back to something that we're used to. Do you think that pandemic recession showed any flaws in the city's economy that need to be addressed? Like should it's, you know, such a service economy that when people could not partake of services, things just fell apart. 
does there need to be more manufacturing or i mean well i look at what's happening down at the at the at the um, refinery i mean that's 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 part of new philadelphia i mean it's it it took away oh you know a polluting you know dinosaur of a of a plant which a lot of people worked that, so we can't just you know just say we're glad glad it's gone because a lot of people did lose their jobs there. But the company Hilco has taken it over. It's got a new vision uh, for what Philadelphia, part of Philadelphia's economy, can be, and that's logistics and and distribution. I mean, we're talking you know massive warehouses where people can work, you know, making twenty twenty five dollars an hour, um, you know, with benefits, you know, working for companies like you know um, Fed, you know FedEx and UPS and you know, Costco and, and Amazon. And, and those are, look, I know a lot of people work for Amazon, young people. Um, they, they're, they're happy with, with their opportunities and their, and their work right now. So if, and if, and if we do, we didn't get obviously the Amazon headquarters, but if we can get, you know, a large distribution service center to put people to work that maybe don't have a college degree. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's something terrific. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, yeah, there are certain things that need to be, be re-engineered, I guess. Uh, but, you know, it's just getting getting our kind of social lives back together again, I think is really important. Yeah, on the subject of lessons learned from these challenges, um, what is the future of mass protests in the city? Um, I, I learned two things. Um, number one, for, force isn't always the answer. Sometimes it's generally not the answer at all. Um, I think what... And this was this was my decision on the encampment because there were obviously two separate plans uh, to remove them, quote unquote. And in my view, after what the city went through and the country went through with mass protests and and the way in which they were handled in Washington and in, you know, in New York, every, I mean, everywhere where we saw these these you know, news stories at night, you know, people, you know, getting arrested and beat up. I mean, we decided on the encampment that the city and the, especially the police force could not handle another bad set of pictures, you know, riot gear dragging predominantly African-American homeless people off a of public space. To me, it was, and, and when I made the decision, I made the decision based on my experience in May and June by saying, I don't want to see that again. And, and, and frankly, I don't think it's fair to the police. Because what we do is we ask them to go do something, they do it, and then we and then we criticize them for it. Now, some people overdo it, and obviously we've seen examples of that overdoing it. But the average police officer during the course of that whole week or so, uh, we're getting hit with stuff, we're getting spit at, we're getting, I mean, challenged, we're getting, I mean, that's not that's not an easy 12 hours to, to put up with a shift. And then not having vacation or time off, I mean, that's got to be a horrible, stressful situation for them and their families. Um so I'm looking at the parkway and saying, you know, we had the most beautiful street in the city. I have a situation there, which is not pleasant. It's, you know, homeless people living there and, you know, all the other things that the neighbors are complaining about. And they had every right to complain. But for us to show up on a five o'clock in the morning with riot gear and, and uh, batons to drag, it just I would rather have. And we did, you know, negotiate it, wait it out. Um have a plan uh, to house people uh, and actually accomplish something which we could use as a template going forward. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad I learned that lesson. I'm not saying that we'll, it'll, you know, we'll never have confrontations again between police and, and, and protesters, but I do think that, that sometimes less, 
less aggression, less violence is the answer. And let, let me just add something. And when I said it was not fair to the police, because something bad was going, mean, somebody was going to get in trouble and wind up fired or wind up you know, disciplined because of something that we asked them to do. Uh, and they're, and they're, they're, they're not robots, they're human beings. So they're not perfect. Um, and so, that, and that was the other element of my decision to, to negotiate this away as opposed to, you know, drag it away. Um, and um, I think it was the right decision. And, you know, the, we're putting the ball field back together and hopefully by spring, the kids will be playing there again. And there'll be, you know, hundreds of people that are now housed that were not housed before. You certainly, when you became mayor, did not ever sign up for a year like this. No. And did you have thoughts, you know, during the year, like, why me? Like, why my term? In, in, the, in the very beginning, yes. But with every day that passed and something bad happened, I, was, I kept on convincing myself that it can't get worse than this. It, you know, this is like, this will be the worst day. And then the next day was another bad day. Well, this will be the worst day. Uh, and you know, the thing that I found in myself now is that I, there's nothing's going to shock me, knock wood. Um, that, you, know, that, you know, nothing's going to like, to be through this experience, I think means that you and the people who work with you have a better ability to handle it going forward. I mean, from lessons learned. And I just explained to you between, you know, I-676 and 52nd Street, what I learned when it came to, you know, the, the homeless encampment, like the dichotomy of, you know, this is what we did and it, you know, didn't work out so well. So let's do something different. And so you, you get that experience. I mean, I don't want to ever go through another year like that again. Um, um, and it seems like it was a lot longer than a year. And it's hard. It's hard not interacting with people. It's hard not interacting with, I mean, you can't even tell if a person's smiling now. Hard to understand people. It's hard to talk to people. It's, it's, but the thing I learned, older people, older African-American folks, uh, people have been through a lot, um, are the ones who seem like they can get through this. Old ladies, especially, I mean, they're the best. And they, they're just, they just are very encouraging and very hopeful and helpful as opposed to people who are selfish, self-centered and want to whine about wearing a mask. And Yeah. Did you ever think like you were uniquely suited to the moment? Uh, I don't, I don't know if anybody's uniquely suited to this moment. Um, it just was to be, I mean, I, I think things happen for a reason. And, and I think that, as I said, that God gives you, doesn't give you anything you can't endure. Um, and I, and it's not, you know, I, and I don't want to sound like a whiner, because I'm, I don't have any reason to whine compared to ICU nurses, um, doctors, you know, uh, people who work in the hospitals who face that war every day, uh, paramedics, firefighters, police officers. I mean, I'm not, I mean, my life was nowhere near as um, scary as theirs. So, you know, you always try to think about when you're feeling sorry for yourself, you start thinking about what other people went through, people who lost people. Uh, you know, um, I haven't lost anyone in my immediate family. I mean, so, you know, people have lost, you know, their mother and their, and their father and their, both their grandparents. And so, I mean, it's that kind of stuff that just like when you start feeling sad for yourself, just realize this, well, people have a lot worse than you. Okay. So now I'm back to my uh, traditional last question, which is what did I leave out? I think that the city workers really stepped up. For example, and when we were going through that, that mess in the summer with the sanitation department, I mean, those guys and women were, they were sick. I mean, they were, they were, they were dealing with lots of stuff and, and, and they were facing the, the disease. 
uh, and and they were you know trying to work every day and um, you know they were getting yelled at because people wanted their trash picked up and you know it's hard. I mean it's it, I, I think city workers when when called upon go above and beyond um, and I'm proud of them. I'm proud of all the people who work in non very high profile jobs. You know, people continue to to do their jobs every day and, you know, not complain. And I'm proud of our workforce and, you know, I'm proud of the work that they do and, and how they, how courageous they all are. That's it. Thank you so, so much. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's got to be better, right? It'll be, it better be better. You'll be interviewing me from a, a desert island somewhere. <laughs> That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. We'll have another episode out soon.